Welcome to episode 553 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Greetings, Josh, again from the Outer Banks in North Carolina. Yeah, I'm just going to go out on a limb tonight and say that we're going to have to apologize for something with this recording. Like, we're, we're already having some issues. So if I end up having to fall back to a backup recording or something, I'm sorry, folks. We're having issues. Like, we're not yeah. even doing the show live. Yeah. And I feel like we're having more issues than normal. Totally. Absolutely. And this is always the risk when we do this remote stuff. So we're just trying to put the disclaimer right up front. Exactly. Exactly. So. You can't be too disappointed. (laughs) Keep the expectations low. Okay. Well, uh, I I never have low expectations of our listeners because we so frequently get wonderful feedback. Uh, And we got a couple at our inbox, entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com. The first one is from regular commenter, our good friend, Captain Lawn Paul. It is indeed. And of course, as is typical with Captain Long Paul, he brings up a couple topics. So let's touch on these. He says, Richard, now oh, this one was addressed to me specifically. Richard, you should just use the new Chromecast with Google TV. If you really want to do the live TV stuff, it's very simple there. And the user interface is extremely easy to use. Now, I'm going to interrupt here. What is he referring to? I called out to all of you and said, what should I put in this property I'm thinking of using as a rental home for people? That's why I'm down in the Outer Banks, by the way. And I am so glad we heard from folks. So I like this idea. I like where he's going here. Well, and I also think to be specific, I, I think he means to use that Chromecast with YouTube TV for the live TV service. Which is a reasonable recommendation. Yeah. He says, I've been recommending it to people and not explaining anything to them just so I can watch and see how they react to it. Everyone seems to pick it up very easily. So let's pause there and let's talk about that a little bit because there's some more to his message, some other topics. I have definitely thought about the idea of moving to a streaming TV solution. And We'll talk about this a little bit more when we get into our entertainment center discussion. But one of the things that I have recognized is that the combination of a streaming device and a cable box on a rental TV is kind of a nightmare. I mean, it, it's just a mess. I've been in multiple properties now, and I'm in I'm in, in one right now where I have to use one. Re- remote to adjust the volume and a different remote to adjust the channel. And it's just like, what do I use for what? It's hard to keep track of. And I'm good at this. Right. Not not to mention (laughs) having to switch inputs and knowing which inputs to switch to and all that sort of crap. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely challenging. This is not a bad idea. I guess the thing that I am worried about is, and I'm sorry to make ageist generalizations, but maybe the elderly couple or the less technically inclined family that comes in and just wants to turn on the television 
they turn on the TV and they just want to see the news or they want HGTV on or they you know want to see what's on HBO and they have to figure out which app do they do they go to to make that happen and i'm not quite sure if we're far enough along in the general populace for people to understand that oh well there's an option to watch TV in YouTube right yeah that is a tricky situation cuz the other thing that i was going to potentially recommend is maybe just getting like one of these TCL TVs that has the Roku TV built right in. Uh, yeah. You know, then, then it's, it's no input switching. It's just Roku. And if people are going to be familiar with anything, it's probably Roku. That is but true. You still and, got the live TV problem. Right. And we are definitely going to talk about that more when we get to my entertainment center. Okay, perfect. So he continues on and he says, this is to both of us. Have either of you guys checked out the new show called Resident Alien? I'm sure it will entertain both of you. It is great. Again, pause. I have not checked it out yet. I've heard wonderful things about it. So I do want to check this out. Josh, do you know anything about this? I can't tell you what the premise is. I don't remember what I've heard is great. <laughs> You're really selling it. I have no yeah. idea what this show is. Yeah, but it's awesome. Seriously, we should watch it. <laughs> I'm very curious to know what it's about if he thinks that both of us are going to like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish I could remember what it was specifically, but it, it does look good. So I will look into that. And I'm looking for some things to watch because I can't get to my normal content like I normally would again later in the show. Finally, he says, did either of you watch the Snyder Cut? Justice League. I can't remember if you guys like the DC movies. Well, I can't speak for Josh, but I'm guessing his answer is no, because he does not like superhero movies. My answer is no, because I do not like four by three ratio. Also, <laughs> I don't have a spare four hours. Right. So I I wouldn't say I don't like superhero movies at all. Uh, I'm, but I'm not the biggest fan of them. I don't like DC. I don't like four by three. I don't like four hour movies. Yeah. There is no chance that I'm ever going to watch this. Not yeah. happening. I mean, maybe someday when I retire, <laughs> just, <laughs> maybe if I can see it in an IMAX theater at some point and they offer an intermission. I mean, I just don't see the scenario where everything that they put into this movie works for you. Yeah. So the one recommendation that I have heard from people is to treat it like a four part mini series and that mm. it, it actually works fairly well that way. So maybe you should try that. And presumably there are places where you can go online to find out what the breakpoints are for the different quote episodes of said mini series. Yeah, maybe every hour is just good enough. <laughs> well, I mean, you just cut it off at an hour. What if you're in like mid-sentence in something really critical? Well, you know, like end of a scene at about the hour mark. <laughs> All right. I'm sure that it's broken down more succinctly than that. I'll have to investigate on YouTube. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, the next message is from Alex. I think you have this one well summarized. Yeah, and, and this is also related to, to things that you've been talking about, Richard, uh, vacation houses and TV devices. 
Uh, Alex has a vacation house that he essentially shares with his extended family. And he's been, well, in the house, they've been remodeling the first floor to be more of a family TV movie hangout area. And since he intends to play video games in it, he was thinking of putting an Xbox down there and wondered if he could just use the Xbox as the only device on that TV because it's got all the streaming apps and everything. Ooh. But he also wants to make sure that there's not going to be a bunch of hassles for other people in the family to be able to use it. Uh, mm -hmm. He definitely doesn't want uh, people to have to log in to use the streaming apps and things like that. Now, if, if the gamers need to log in to get access to their games, that's fine. They'll know how to do that. But for the people who just want to use it as a streaming device, will they be able to figure this out? And I, I think so because you can set up an account, like just make a Microsoft account, make that the account that it signs into by default. Cause you can set it up to just automatically log into any given account. And when you set things like that up, it gives you a bunch of options. Like, do you want to enforce a password or maybe just a pin or should it just log you straight in? You can pick an option that, that just makes it, as soon as you turn it on, it's logged in as that person. He was a little bit concerned that maybe eventually it would require a password. I've never seen that happen before. So I don't think you have to worry about that situation. Does this seem like yeah. an okay solution to you, Richard? Yeah, it does. I mean, I haven't seen a password problem except for Voodoo, of course, which logs you out all the time. So maybe don't use that with your family. But as far as the experience itself, I do see the scenario where you have an account and you use that account on multiple devices. And so if you've used it on one, you get signed out on the other. So you do have to sign back in again. But signing back in just means selecting, yeah, this is me. And it's already highlighted in the sign on as. So as long as people are like, you know, smart enough is not the right way to say that. But as long as they understand that that's how you get back in to use everything, they should be fine. Well, and, and if you're going to make an account that's just for this Xbox, that's probably not going to be an issue. Yeah, I, I guess I just wonder. Yeah, I, I just wonder if it will really only ever be used for this Xbox. Like, is there a chance that it could get locked? That account could get logged in somewhere else, either for configuration online or to buy something or whatever else. And all of those activities, I think, end up logging you out of your, your console. Account. Oh, I, I don't think that happens anymore. Um, oh, really? And, okay. And I think before, it would only log you out from an Xbox if you logged into another Xbox, and it doesn't do that anymore. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you can then tell how long it's been since I've used my Xboxes. <laughs> well, you've got so many other devices for streaming. I'm not surprised. <laughs> right. At this point, you probably only use your Xboxes for for. Uh, 4K Blu-rays, right? Yeah. No, that's exactly right. I use it for 4K Blu-rays. And when I remember to occasionally download some games with gold. <laughs> well, that, there's another topic we'll be talking about later. All right. Well, 
that does it for our feedback this week. Uh, if you want to send us some feedback, all that information will be at the end of the show and, of course, over in the show notes at the Digital Media Zone. So let's get into the news. One video story to talk about tonight. This was not the most surprising news that I saw this week. (laughs) T-Mobile is shutting down their live TV streaming service called T-Vision. Yes, I have to call out that it's called T-Vision because I'm betting that you listener probably didn't even remember that T-Mobile had a live TV streaming service. And even if you did, you couldn't remember what it was called. And maybe even if you're one of the few that did remember that they had a service and knew that it was called T-Vision, you probably couldn't remember all of the craziness that went along with the different plans and what services you could watch on the different plans. And... um Yeah, I think that that's probably the reason why this thing is now dead, even though it hasn't been available for even six months in total. Right. It's gone. (laughs) Barely off the ground. I don't know if people remember this, but I am fairly certain that when we first started talking about it, and this is what people probably will remember, is that we were talking about how confusing their different plans were. It was ridiculous how confusing their plans were. And when this came out, I said, they've already done this and it failed. (laughs) Right. So what makes them think that they're going to be able to do this again? Well, we don't have an answer to that question, but the answer to the larger hypothetical is, uh, turns out they couldn't again. Yeah. So to kind of recap on the insanity of how this all went down. so so they had. T-Vision Live, which was 40 bucks a month and got you some live streaming access to some pay channels, including like ESPN and some of that, um, plus some of your local network affiliates. And then they also had a service called T-Vision Vibe, which was $10 a month. So, you know, a quarter the cost and had other really impressive properties like HGTV and things like that. And everyone, including us, went, wait, what? This doesn't make any sense. And then, like, probably the very next episode of Entertainment 2.0, we were reporting on how it made all the content distributors upset. And so T-Mobile said, well, we've got the perfect solution. We'll just include all of the $10 stuff in the $40 plan, and that must make them happy. What? Yeah, I don't think it did, and no one figured out this service well enough to actually pay for it, I guess. So it's now gone. If you are one of the few people who did subscribe to it, you're getting some bonuses here, and T-Mobile's going to basically say, we're done trying to offer this whole thing. How about we encourage people to do something else? So here's what's happening. If you're currently a T-Vision Live customer, so you're paying 40 bucks a month for this, you're going to get a free month of YouTube TV, which is normally $65 a month. And you're going to get three months of YouTube premium for free. YouTube premium is basically just YouTube without ads. If you are a T-Vision Vibe customer, you're going to get a free month of Philo TV, which is 20 bucks a month. If you're a T-Mobile customer and you were like, oh man, I was just about to sign up for this thing. Now, now, I, now I don't get their crazy service and I miss out on these free deals. So you're not completely empty-handed here because T-Mobile customers will be able to get $10 off of YouTube TV like forever, basically. 
it's probably not actually forever. You should probably read the fine details, you know, the, the fine print. Um, but that makes YouTube TV $55 a month instead of $65 a month. And that almost sounds reasonable. So <laughs> that's not a bad deal. And then if you're interested in Philo, you can get Philo at half off. It's $10 off a month, which makes it $10 a month. Those seem like pretty decent offerings and you don't have to do anything for them other than be a T-Mobile customer. Yeah. Seems all right. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of benefits in streaming video uh, and streaming services in general. If you're a T-Mobile customer, like if you're looking for a different, you know, maybe it's time for you to shop around on mobile carriers. You should take a look at T-Mobile because there's deals like this. Uh, you know, I just saw it with the baseball season starting they're giving MLB TV, the, you know, the ML, the Major League Baseball streaming service for free to T-Mobile customers. Like there's wow. some good deals out there. So nice. definitely be checking things like that out. Yeah. So do you want to speculate at all about what happened here? Because I do. I would love to hear your thoughts. I think that prior to the T-Mobile Sprint merger, completion a product team in one of those companies i want it to be sprint because i want it i want to believe that t-mobile wouldn't make the same mistake twice (laughs) but a product team had something almost ready to take to market and with the merger complete they realized this probably isn't the best move but it's ready to go let's give it a try and we'll see if it works or not that's what I think happened. I, I like that theory. I mean, the idea that the same company would make the same mistake nearly 10 years later that they made before and and not do enough to make sure that they don't trip over the same problems that they had. I mean, last last time it was like bandwidth and screen size and stuff like that. But right. still, just this... This is not what people want. Like AT&T learned this lesson the hard way and they're shutting down all of their services that were specifically and exclusively for their customers because they realized it doesn't make sense. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's really it for video news despite the fact that it's been 2 weeks since our last episode. But uh we do have a little bit of audio news, and I'm a little bit interested in Richard's take on some of this also. So Sonos and Ikea have not given up their partnership uh, after releasing the, is it Symphonisk? Is that how you pronounce this? Yeah, Symphonisk. Yeah. Okay. So they released a couple of speakers previously, one that's just a rectangular bookshelf speaker, uh, tall and, and narrow, and a- Good speaker, cab- by the way. Yeah. And a table lamp speaker and ugly looks- lamp, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it looks like, according to some postings through the FCC and some leaks from The Verge, that they are working on a refreshed version of the table lamp, which hopefully maybe will be more to Richard's uh, liking. And another speaker that Sounds like it's designed to basically be hidden by art. So maybe like a speaker that 
is inside the frame of a painting or something like that. I'm not really sure what to expect here. Like I'm seeing some people who are excited about this idea, but you have to, you have to have a power cord to these things. So you're just going to have a power cord up to your painting that's hanging on the wall. I mean, I guess you could run power through the wall like you would for a TV, but that seems like a lot for like a $150 speaker. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think this is intriguing. I mean, certainly we've seen in the professional space speakers that can be concealed by uh, a screen so that they blend into the wall. Speakers that can even, not just subwoofers, but speakers that can be behind drywall and still function appropriately. They're tuned so that ultimately the, the, I don't know if resonance is the right word, but what you ultimately experience in the room is appropriate. So for something like this, where the speaker is invisible, you know, this almost harkens back to an early, early CES that you and I covered where acoustic research was hiding speakers in things like exterior architectural lighting Mm -hmm. so that the speaker wasn't the object. You just had sound around you. And if you can do that in a way that doesn't call attention to the source, like that is the interior designer's nirvana. Right. So to do that on an Ikea budget is potentially a big, big deal. And I'm, really eager to see what this means. Yeah, for sure. I, and I'm very curious to see what what their answer is to the power cord solution. And 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 one thing that I really like about IKEA by the way, uh, I I jumped on their website tonight to to take a look at their symphonic speakers and all of their photos like of it in use in houses show the power cord. Yes. Like, no one does that. Like Apple and and all of these other companies are like, here's our magical device that doesn't have a power cord. Like it just works. You can't see a power cord. We yes. we promise you it, it works. And it's like, no, no there's a power cord. You have to plug ridiculous. this thing in somehow. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, I've mentioned on this show and so and on my other shows, so people who have been following closely enough probably know who I'm talking about. But I'm working with a client now and. We are adamant that imagery of the product must show that there is a cord. Yeah, you have to. You have to. It's just not fair not to. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah. So uh, I'm the the thing that I wanted to ask you more about, Richard, is I feel like you know, even though we've talked about Sonos a little bit over the last few episodes, because they they also released a portable Sonos released that portable speaker, the Rome. The Rome is the new one, right? Yeah, um, which I hope to buy. Just just a, a few weeks ago, they announced that, uh, and I believe reviews are already out now. Um, is Sonos still a, a product that makes sense? I mean, with all of these smart speakers out there nowadays, and, and some of them sound pretty good and and most of them ha- like Google and Amazon have solutions for doing multi-room audio with with these devices and you can listen to just about any music streaming service on them is there even a place for Sonos anymore I think we should ask Apple if they think that Sonos makes sense 
and and by that I mean that yes, absolutely, Sonos is why Apple failed at the HomePod. Right, Apple was trying to create a high quality audio product at a high at a high price in a market that already has a leader there, and with Sonos speakers being smarter and smarter, where some of them even include an assistant and you get to choose which assistant, I think that Sonos is still a really big player. The The thing that I like about the IKEA products is that Sonos has realized that they can bring their product and their unique offering down market without sacrificing a lot. They're willing to let another company produce a, a, a product with their name on it that's half the price of their cheapest device. That roughly, I mean, that's not entirely yeah. true anymore. Right, $99 versus $190. Yeah. Well, and, and technically without the assistant, it's $179 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, right, but a significantly reduced price. And it's a good product. But what they also recognize is that IKEA is appealing to a different market that they're they're tapping a different segment than Sonos itself might be able to tap. And so leveraging that and allowing IKEA to do the things that they're doing, which nowadays, I mean, I was in an IKEA, which is another story for a later time, but I was in an IKEA a couple of weeks ago and I was astounded by all the things that they've added. They have different color screens for the front and different I think ways those are going that- away actually. I was okay, looking whatever. at those tonight and, and it said like purchase before they're gone or something like that. So those might be going away. Or maybe they're limited time. You know, like maybe they were an exclusive thing and they're like, who knows what, but the fact that they have done more with this line and made it more creative and allowed people to customize it, I think is brilliant. Um, the, integrating with a lamp again, really smart. I'm not a 70s retro guy, so I think the lamp that they put out the first time is really ugly. Smoke glass, not a thing in my life. But <laughs> I, I mean, maybe this next generation will be uh, something more like more to my liking. I probably won't buy it. But the point is, I like to see what they're doing. And I love that Sonos is willing to partner with a company that can kind of push beyond what Sonos is capable of doing themselves. Okay, so if you if you need the smart speaker though, you you can't go the IKEA route currently because, because the the current ninety nine dollar bookshelf one does not have a smart assistant built in. Right, that is correct. That is correct. But who knows if that will change in the future? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. All right. Well, the other audio story that we've got tonight is uh, a small update from Spotify. We've talked. Uh, a few times in the past about some of Spotify's attempts to give to to make music more discoverable like that's one of the important things about these music streaming services of course and in the past their main way of doing that other than the their release radar which shows you new songs every Friday uh from artists that you probably like or might like they they've had this idea of daily mixes where they would just put together a few mixes of you know playlist that are 
songs that you've been listening to, and then songs that are similar to those. And they would just be numbered. So daily playlist one or daily mix one, daily mix two. And you could, you know, ask your smart assistant or whatever to say, play daily mix three. But I don't know what genre daily mix three is. That like that's a dumb way of doing things. Right, so right. And and even in the app, if you looked in the app, because you figure maybe that will provide some more insight, it's just an album cover with an artist, and if you have no idea what these <laughs> artists that you listen to look like, right? Not helpful. It's not helpful, right? Like the desktop app is okay, but that's probably not how most people are experiencing Spotify. <laughs> so they're getting a little smarter this time around, and they are doing a new set of of personalized playlist and. It's they're they're doing them in three different ways. They're doing them based on genre, based on artist, and then decade mixes. So, you know, you could get like a an indie rock one, you could get a punk, you could get rap. I mean, who knows what what sort of, of genres you listen to. Uh artist is pretty obvious, you know, Taylor Swift, whatever. Um, and then decades also, you know pretty easy. This is my nineties mix. This is my eighties mix, that sort of thing. Um, the daily mixes are all still there, but like, if you look at this in the desktop app daily mixes, you have to scroll almost to the very bottom to get to, because apparently they don't think people are going to be using those much anymore. And I think they're right. Like I, I like this idea a whole lot more, but I haven't really gotten to use it yet. (laughs) This is so smart. I, I have not tried this out, but this is so smart. Because everybody has a genre mix and an artist mix and a decade mix. But what if that mix was actually tailored toward your listening preferences? Right. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm really excited to give this a try. Because the other thing that I, well, I hope that this won't be the same problem. But with the, with the daily mixes, it seemed like they never changed. It would always Mm -hmm. be the same playlist. And I don't want it to always be the same playlist. (laughs) At the very least, shuffle them around for me without me having to click the shuffle button. At the very least, stop calling it daily. (laughs) Right. Which never made any sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to keep with the ranting as we move into the gaming segment. And I've been wanting to talk about this for really a couple of months, but I just kind of kept forgetting to put it in the show notes. Let's talk just a little bit here about Games with Gold, the the service from Xbox where every month, if you're an Xbox Live Gold subscriber, you get a few games. Nope, I'm not going to complain here about their stupid release schedule and how it breaks up in the middle of the month and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) I'm over that. My rant here is, why are we still doing this at all? The last few months of Games with Gold have been terrible. They're just releasing junk at this point. Like, maybe occasionally there's a good game, but it's a good game from 10 years ago. Why are we doing this? Like, what what Microsoft is clearly doing is putting all of the good stuff that people actually want to play inside of Xbox Game Pass. Mm-hmm. And Games with Gold is just like a, well, you know, we had this Games with Gold thing, so we got to put something out there. What's scraping the bottom of the bin this month, fellas? And <laughs> throwing that out there. And like, is 
anybody downloading this stuff? I I doubt that there are very many people who are downloading and playing these games. So why are we still doing this? Like it it just seems like a complete waste of everything involved. Like why are they wasting their time coming up with games to make available and spending time talking to publishers about lining up those deals? Why are you know news media like us spending any time at all talking about these which spoiler we haven't been we stopped yeah, covering we really games of gold months ago like it's just pointless at this point just stop doing it you look even worse when you compare these releases to what sony is giving away because sony's got the same type of program and every month sony has at least one really good game that they give away and I can't remember the last time a games with gold game was actually worth even downloading. So just stop. Yeah. Like just continue to push people towards Game Pass. That's the winning thing anyway. That has a massive library of tons of really excellent games. Just push people to that and get rid of games with gold. No <laughs> one cares anymore. At least they yeah. shouldn't. So Here's some perspective from the non-gamer digital hoarder who always downloaded the monthly games. I don't anymore. I really don't pay any attention to it. I think, though, that this is pretty typical Microsoft playbook behavior. They allow their consumer products to die a long, torturous death (laughs) rather than making a clean cut and creating a logical transition to a new product. I guarantee you within the next year, we will talk about this again, but movies and TV is the perfect example of that. Yep. Who the hell is investing in movies or TV shows through Microsoft if that content isn't also available through movies anywhere? Because you got to know you're throwing your money away. Right. And Microsoft right. just isn't willing to cut the cord yet. Yeah. You should only be renting through those services. You should not be purchasing through that service. So this does not surprise me in the least. This is just how they operate, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing that might be driving this is that if they cancel this program, then I think. They, because certainly their customers will, need to take a hard look at then exactly what is the Live Gold program. What are you paying for with that? Well, that's a good question. And that actually leads into one of our other gaming stories tonight. Because the main thing that Xbox Live Gold has always been about is giving you access to playing multiplayer games online. You you had to pay for that ability because it requires them to have just servers and maintenance of all of that stuff and whatnot. And and way back in the day, because you have to remember Xbox Live Gold has been around since like 2004 or something like that, when lots of houses didn't even have broadband yet. Um, Sony, for you to do online games, every single game developer had to build a system for it themselves. Sony didn't even have their own 
online system in place. <laughs> That's how long Microsoft's been doing this. And so it made sense for that to be a, a paid add-on to, to get access to all of that. And it's always been a system of, yeah, get what you pay for. Like it was so much better than what Sony did or all of the free options for things on PC. PC mm-hmm. players do not come at me. Like, you know that it's always been just clobbing together a bunch of stuff to make things work on PC. I don't want to hear about it being so much more customizable and all that crap. Sure it is, but it's a hassle. Xbox Live Gold was never a hassle. It's always been easy. So that's always been the biggest thing. And then, I mean, they've added things along the, the way, like Games with Gold um, and and other features. But I think most people couldn't even tell you what else was part of the paid thing and what wasn't because if you were using your xbox for gaming you were paying for xbox live gold like how many people actually had an xbox and don't have xbox live gold it's got to be a pretty small number right which is impressive in and of itself right they managed to convince everybody buy this box and then buy this service that you pay for every single month or every single year or whatever and it was quite successful yeah, yeah. And if you were paying every single month, man, were you getting ripped because it was $10 a month <laughs> or the full retail price if you just paid for a year of it was $60, but you're paying $10 a month going month to month. Come on. People. Which you could often get for $40 exactly. or less on right. sale. Right. So, but they, the, the reason your question feeds so well into the other news this, this week is uh, if you remember about a month, month and a half ago, uh, on a Friday, Microsoft uh, and Xbox decided, yeah, we're going to double the cost of Xbox Live Gold. And within eight hours, they reversed course <laughs> right. and said, okay, what? just kidding. We're not going right. to do that. Uh, and not only are we not going to do that, um, we're not going to make you pay for Xbox Live Gold to play free-to-play games online. So, like, if you want to play Fortnite on an Xbox, you won't need to pay for Xbox Live Gold anymore. And everyone went, hallelujah, it's about time. Like, I don't think Sony required you to pay for for Sony's online service for a long time for playing free-to-play games. So, they're finally rolling that out. Uh, It's it's only in some of the preview builds, but I got to imagine it's going to become generally available soon, probably this month, if not early May. Um, But other features that aren't going to require the paid live gold subscription, party chat. So being able to be in a a group voice chat with other people and looking for group functionality. I, I didn't realize those were Xbox live gold only things. I mean, it makes sense. At least the party chat one does, but mm-hmm. Looking for group? I had no idea. But I guess it kind of uses party chat, so I guess that makes sense. But I don't think most people would have thought, oh yeah, obviously those things require Xbox Live Gold, but they won't anymore. So that's cool. And and the, the party chat and really the looking for group functionality, those really start to make sense when you think about the cross-platform nature of what Xbox is now. Because you can do these sorts of things through Xbox on a PC without paying anything. You only have to pay for it on the Xbox. 
So it makes sense to to make some of those things free now. So that's cool. That's good to see. Yeah, but like, so what what does that mean for Gold Live? Seriously, like, what is it adding now? Well, it it's still the the multiplayer capabilities for regular games. Like, if you want to play Call of Duty with your friends, you have to have Xbox Live Gold. If you want to play Call of Duty that you paid for as a game independently with your friends as opposed to maybe paying for it like isn't that part of their monthly service now or is that not included there yet no call of duty is not part of game pass it's not in there yet no and really call of duty is a really bad example because there is a free-to-play call of duty (laughs) (laughs) um so let's let's go with the other game i play a ton nhl 2021 um if if you bought nhl 21 or madden you know any one of those types of games those would require xbox live gold to play with other people online maybe those are bad examples too now because those are being added to game pass because ea play is part of game pass now but but that gets a little bit more confusing because there's the $10 a month version of Game Pass that is just the games, and there's the $15 version, Game Pass Ultimate, which is the games plus Xbox Live Gold, plus game streaming. This is actually getting more confusing than I realized it, it was. Yeah, this is this is ridiculous, and I, I will not be at all surprised if within the next six months, we're talking, actually shorter than that, we're talking about the end of Live Gold and a hopefully simplification, not uh, further confusion, of the options that they offer once it's gone. Yeah, I think it just gets trickier to figure out what those options are. I mean, the the thing for them is that they obviously still need to provide some sort of support for consumers who purchase games and expect to be able to play those on a platform that requires multiplayer, that that requires a server to make it happen, right? That's presumably what you're paying for, is the server access for stuff like that. There will be a day, I won't be happy about it, even though I don't play these games, but I won't like what it hearkens. There will be a day at some point where they probably say, okay, we're not going to support those anymore. If you bought that... Now you can access it in the cloud, and if you want all that service, then you need to pay this monthly service, and you can still play it with other people. Yeah, that's a po- that's a possibility. I, I mean, because that's not saying that's this year, but no, someday right. that's going to happen. I mean, because that's essentially what Xbox or Project X Cloud is, right? The, the game streaming service. It's just that they don't force you into that. That's not the only way to play games. It's a way of playing games and an additional way right. of playing games yep yeah there's there's no project x cloud exclusives right now <laughs> that would not be good business for them all right well the other big story in gaming this week of course is e3 which i just got it like my wife she never ceases to amaze me uh i, I went to to tell her about e3 and i was like you know e3 it's it's the yearly uh video game uh big big trade show and she's like I know. You you do? Yeah, she knows. Like, she pays attention. She actually listens to me, even when I'm blabbering about crap that she doesn't care about. 
I'm impressed. <laughs> Super impressed. Anyway, nice. E3, it is coming back again this summer. Uh, but the big question would be, are they going to do it in person? They're not. It's in June. June is probably still too early for giant early. in-person yep. events like this. Yep. Uh, and I'm not sure how well California is doing in terms of vaccinations and stuff, but it's not like it would just be a California only thing. Anyway, people come from all over the world for this show. So instead for the second year in a row, stay home. E3 is going to be a hundred percent virtual. Uh, it's going to be June 12th through the 15th. They announced a whole lot of gaming companies that'll be there. Microsoft will be there again. Nintendo. And when I say we'll be there, like it's a streaming event. It's not like they're going to LA. You know, they're just going to be streaming from wherever they stream their stuff. Right. They're uh, participating. But, yeah, they're participating. That's a much, much more accurate way of describing this. Other companies participating, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take Two Interactive, Warner Brothers Games. Kind of kind of some big ones not listed there, like Sony. But well, last year. Same thing. Right? Exactly. Sony wasn't there last year. They weren't there the year before. So it's not surprising. Uh, but also not mentioned EA, Electronic Arts, not mentioned Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco, Tencent, 505, and Activision Blizzard. Some of those not big deals. Like, I don't think Activision Blizzard has been there. <sighs> Maybe they have, but they tend to have their own big events anyway. Um, Square tends to partner with Sony and Microsoft to do their events. Uh, and then EA has for a few years now, they've been in LA right by, I think right by the convention center, but not actually there. And they just run their own show concurrently to E3. So they'll probably do the same thing again this year. It's not like EA isn't going to have announcements this summer. There's going to be another Madden in the fall, guys. <laughs> There's going to be another <laughs> FIFA. <laughs> so not concerned about that. Uh, it will be completely free. Uh, you know, there was a lot of concerns that, you know, they're, they're going to make it all virtual, but they're going to put a bunch of stuff behind paywalls. They're not doing that. So that's really good news. Uh, don't go and look for the press release. The rest of the press release is useless nonsense. Let me give you one great quote out of this press conference. E3 is going to be a reimagined and hyper-engaged digital experience. What? That's not even a sentence that makes sense. And it's just <laughs> more of that sort of crap. So I've now told you everything you need to know about E3 as of as of right now, wait to hear if other companies are going to announce things. But frankly, this summer is shaping up to be a whole lot like last summer, where E3 will be kind of a big deal. And all of the publishers who weren't there or didn't do a lot there will just schedule their own events whenever it makes sense for them to have them. And that's actually kind of better because it means that developers aren't necessarily like forcing even more crunch into their development schedules to get a demo ready for june 12th like if they need a couple more weeks they can have a couple more weeks and that's better for everybody so a couple things here remind me last year i didn't watch any of this which follows from the fact that two years ago i was actually in la at the time that E3 was going on, not 
of course, to go to E3. <laughs> right. But to visit friends and vendors and now clients that are in that area. So when vendors did this last year, which is pretty early on in the lockdown, not that it was lockdown is the wrong word, but you know, in, in this COVID world that we've been living in for the last year, how was it? Like, did it work? Were they polished or was it janky? It was a mix. It was absolutely a mix. Um, yeah, some of them were were pretty well polished. Um, you know, like Nintendo's actually been doing essentially virtual presentations like this for the last couple of years instead mm-hmm. of actually going to E3 and things like that. And mm-hmm. so they know how to do this well and they continue to do it well. Uh, some of the other studios, uh, it, it was just better because it wasn't so ridiculous. Like, right. Bethesda would do absolutely insane things during during their press events and bring out. I mean, the least insane thing they did during the last one was bring Keanu Reeves out on stage. Like everything <laughs> else was like, here's this annoying, loud punk insanity band that no one likes or cares about, blasting music for five minutes like i don't want this i just want you to show me game videos right Right. so i it was kind of a mixed bag some of the companies didn't do it great but it's a year later i have higher expectations this time around well and that's what i'm getting at right like i feel like we've figured this out now if i have my timeline right literally days after e3 apple showed the world how this is done right and most companies that were taking this seriously kind of fell in line and adjusted the way they were producing these sorts of events. Yep. So I would expect this to be quite good based on the learnings over the last year on how to do these sort of virtual presentations. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And and the short description of, of how to do this is just spend some time actually producing it. Don't don't try it. Don't try and mimic the live experience. Right. Just do right. something really good as a recording. And if someone screws up, you can fix it and record it again. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. No. Ex- exactly. Exactly. So I, I think this is promising. I, I think it would be cool. I also, quite frankly, you know, not that I will attend, but. I'm I'm really happy about the idea that next year there's probably going to be a real in-person E3 again. That's that's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I I, I want to see these shows if we start don't to come all back. Screw this up, <laughs> right. which <laughs> is entirely possible. <laughs> yeah, that's a rant for a different podcast. That's not this yep. one. So instead, why don't we get into what's going on in our entertainment centers? All right. So as I mentioned, I am in a rental right now. I am out of town and I am in someone else's home designed for other people to rent. And I am the renter in this case. And I have a house outfitted with Roku TVs, just like you mentioned, which is kind of awesome in some respects. On the other hand, it's a rental and they recognize that people still need 
regular traditional cable TV access. And so they provided that through the local provider here, which is Spectrum. So already we're looking at two remotes and I'm trying to figure out what remote does what, because I, I have to turn the TV on with a Roku remote. The Spectrum remote will not turn the TV on. I'm wondering if that's because the Roku remote is actually wireless, not RF. And if it is, that's a problem Mm. because the only way you're going to make these really sing with other third-party devices is if your third-party remotes, like the remote that the cable service uses, can turn on the television. (laughs) Right. Like, that's just insane. So there's that. The other thing that that struck me is that I have no way of airplaying or casting any content to a Roku TV. Oh. There is no such thing. You can use your Roku app on your device, and it can play device content that's local to your device, but there's no streaming a third-party service to a Roku TV. Now, we've talked about things that are coming up. We've talked about how in the future, we know that they're talking about possible AirPlay support. We know that they're talking about possible Google support, but it's not there right now. And it's ridiculous because almost any TV has the ability to at least do one of those things. Right. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. That's pretty important. And then the the final point on the <laughs> on the Roku TV is that there's no channels DVR app. So not only can I not cast stuff from a device that connects to my content back at home, but I don't have any way of watching my channel's content on a Roku because there is no Roku app for channels. So that's really frustrating to me. Yeah, I have not sure. encountered in probably literally years a situation where I couldn't get my own content onto the TV in front of me in some sort of rental or hotel situation. Yeah. So I guess the answer for your rental property is going to be a TCL TV with Android TV built in. Because they do make those. <laughs> uh, well, I don't really have a whole lot of a choice there. Um, the, the AV order has already been put in place before I was in the deal. It's going to be Samsung smart TVs, which is fine. Fine. It's (laughs) fine. (laughs) Right. You know, it's not ideal. It's fine. So it is what it is. All right. So let's talk about content. I watched Superstore and was surprised to find out that it was the series finale. No, I've been talking about this season hasn't been all that good. Yeah, well, it's over. So no worries. Finale, great. One of the better finales that I've seen in a long time. They did a fantastic job. So I was very happy about that. It brought back a lot of the the humor and the feels and the candor of the story and the series that I liked from the beginning. Also watching Shameless. I I watched some Snowpiercer before I got here, but I can't watch the season finale from season two because that's back on my channel's DVR. (laughs) So I'll let you know about that in about a month's time. I watched 
the latest episodes of New Amsterdam and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We are continuing on with Kim's Convenience, the Trilling Adventures of Sabrina and Doctor Who, still in Season 6, keeping up with Last Week Tonight and Real Time with Bill Maher. Those are my primary news sources these days. Still with The Flash, but I don't know how much longer I'll stay with that. And the disc physical version of Wonder Woman 1984, the much-panned Wonder Woman 1984, is available now, and of course I purchased it. And <laughs> as a result, it is now a part of my own library. And you know, I think people just need to chill out and friggin' enjoy the damn movie. Does, it, that would be great if there was something to enjoy other than Gal Gadot. Well, <laughs> there's Gal Gadot, and there's the what I think is one of the best soundtracks in the last five years from Hans Zimmer. There's that. I have watched several scenes in that movie literally dozens of times <laughs> because of that combination, because of her and the music and how it works, how it all works. So just enjoy the movie. I wish it were, ha- I hope someday we get the whoever it is cut. I, I forget <laughs> her name, the woman who directed that, because I'm sure. I am sure that there is a better cut of this that takes half an hour out and allows us to enjoy the good parts and maybe cleans up some of the ridiculousness of the storyline. But I doubt it. I doubt it. (laughs) The director's cuts are always longer. And that's the last thing we need for that movie. Yeah. No, we do not want this movie to be longer. We do not want that. No. But... I have rewatched it and I, I will, I've actually rewatched it twice now. So that's, yeah. that's five hours of your life. You're never getting back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Josh, what have you been doing that I can make fun of? Um, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Uh, so <laughs> in terms of playing video games, not a ton because my life has been insane. Uh, but some amount of NHL, some amount of call of duty, like usual, Nothing else there to really talk about. Watched a little bit of hockey. Uh, I guess it was March Madness for the last couple of weeks. I watched maybe three minutes of the championship game last night. That's all I watched. Um, You can blame me for Gonzaga losing. When I walked in, they were down by nine. And when I walked out, they were down by 18 or something like that. They were going to lose anyway, right? So it's not your fault. Probably. But they were lost even worse because of me, probably. Uh, So... There's that. And then I also watched the Mighty Ducks Game Changers new series on Disney Plus. You know, I grew up as I was I was a kid of the 80s and 90s, you know, grew up watching the Mighty Ducks movies. You know, my my introduction to playing hockey was roller hockey, similar to that would have been what the second Mighty Ducks movie. I could probably ask Jen. She would know she likes these movies even more than I do. Um, And this new Mighty Ducks series. We've only watched the first episode so far, but I really liked it. Um, oh, I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. There's some there's some jokes and humor for adults. There's some jokes and humor for kids. There is like a sidekick kid in this movie that is absolutely hysterical. I love this kid. I want him to be my kid's friends because he's so funny. So uh, we have not watched 
the second episode yet. I think there's only two episodes out so far, uh, but we're we're definitely going to keep watching it because it was it was a lot of fun. I really like it. That is so cool. I, they have been promoting the heck out of this thing, and I never watched the movies really? when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, hockey is probably like aside from Penn State football, my next thing that I dislike the most in sports. And so <laughs> dislike, dislike the, the least right. dislike the, the next thing that I dislike the least, yeah. I guess that's the better way to put it. Right. Yeah. Right. Dislike the least. Yeah. 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 And, but- and I, like for me, I, I generally don't watch hockey unless it's the Olympics. And right. then I pretty much watch all of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cause it's required. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, but I know that this is something that's just kind of ingrained in the kind of Disney lore. And I was excited to hear that they were bringing it back. And I, I forget what, I can't think of what the equivalent. Well, I actually look at this a little bit like Cobra Kai, right? I, yes. I hope, I, I was hoping that this would see the success and the critical a- applause, if you will, uh, that Cobra Kai saw when they came back and stuck true to its origins while still telling a, a, a new creative story. No, it's it's exactly it is hockey Cobra Kai because it is hockey, but the the Mighty Ducks are the jerks this time around instead of the heroes. <laughs> yeah, it is exactly Cobra Kai. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so definitely check that out. Uh, and then reading, you know, I'm just going to tell you all the name of this book that I just finished. I I'm not going to provide any extra commentary on it. You can take what you want from it. I'm going to probably butcher the author's name. The author is Kristen Cobes Dumez. I, I don't know how it's actually pronounced. Um, the book is called Jesus and John Wayne, How White Evangelicals Corrupted a Faith and Fractured a Nation. That is one heck of a subtitle and probably tells you everything you need to know. Well, maybe not quite. This is a history book. This is not a book about like, how to fix present day America or anything like that. It is, it is a history book of, of how this author views how white evangelicalism, that's probably, is that a word? I'm probably saying things incorrectly there. How it's transitioned from like roughly Teddy Roosevelt up through the Donald Trump presidency. So it's a really interesting book from a historical perspective. Uh, And if you've got, you know, ties to either evangelicalism or, you know, American politics, you might find it interesting. You might be super pissed on either side, right? But it's an interesting historical perspective. Yeah, interesting. Or or even just like Christianity in general, right? Like, um, it's been interesting to see how... Uh, religion has evolved over the years. And I've always, I've always been interested in, I I, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on this show before. There was a time in my life when I had intended on going into the seminary. And so I I didn't even know that you and I have been friends for like 12 (laughs) years and I didn't even know that. (laughs) that. That's amazing. And so like to, 
I'm always interested, the same way that I'm interested in politics, I'm kind of interested in like what shapes the religion, right? Right. What, what shapes people's perspective toward religion? What shapes uh, how religion operates? Because in some ways it, it, it is a business. It's also an organization. Um, it, it is many things to many different people and right. is influenced by many things and influences many things. So I, I find stuff like this fascinating. Yeah. Well, and, and this focuses very specifically on, you know, the segment of Christianity that identifies as the evangelical wing, mm-hmm. you know, m- more like think mega churches, that sort of thing. You know, yep. they're not talking about Catholics. They're not talking about Methodists. You know, it's, it's the evangelical wing, which is not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just, that's what that is. Although this yeah. book says, yeah. no, it's a terrible thing. So according to them. So yeah, that's what the book is about. It's interesting from a historical perspective. But again, if you're looking for like, yeah, I think they're all screwing it up. I hope they've got some solutions. They don't. They have no solutions here. It's just a historical perspective of of what's happened. Interesting book. And not a super long read. I think the audio book was nine hours or something like that. Not super long. All right. That's it for me. My next book should be far more lighthearted. <laughs> I'm going to need to find something a little bit more lighthearted. <laughs> I think you said that very well. It should be more like you definitely need to pick a more yes. lighthearted. Yes. Something that won't enrage me quite so much. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Well, so that is nice. everything that's going on in our entertainment centers. If you would like to get a hold of us for the next episode, you can find us on Twitter at Richard Gunther at Josh Pollard. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. All of that information is over at the digital where all of the show notes for all of the stories that we talked about tonight are also located. And while you're at the website, Richard, there's a new episode of home on. I know. Can you believe it? It only took me three months, right? <laughs> so I, I know I've been talking about this forever, and I finally got the episode that Dave and I recorded. We back, we recorded back-to-back episodes, so now he needs to get his episode reset <laughs> out so that we're even. <laughs> and and um, yeah, I, you know, we, we caught up on some news. What was interesting in this particular episode is that we talked about a bunch of stuff that coincidentally came out right about the time that I released the episode. So I was able to produce it in a way that it didn't seem entirely out of touch with what was going on. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't yet have a plan for the next episode, but there will be one. So please right. bear with me during this trying time of mine while I'm trying to buy a home and we will continue on. Yes. I have no doubt about that. This is not pod fading as the industry likes to call it. <laughs> right, Your life right. is just insane right now. And and you're not willing to like half-heartedly produce a, a somewhat crap episode just to get something out. No, I can't out. do it. You want to put something good out for people. Like, and that this was time. the best compromise I could come up with was something much shorter, right, than a normal episode. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, 
You can also find our live show when we do them over at the DMZ. There's a big live button that you can click on to get it. It's usually Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. doesn't always happen. I didn't do it this week. Didn't figure that would work out well for me, so we didn't. But you can follow us on Twitter to know for sure when we'll be doing the live shows. All right, well, that's going to do it for episode 553. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.